It's noon here in Ventnor City, New Jersey, and our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and this is news that you can use from Car Edge for Thursday, January 18th, with your host, me, Ray, and Ventnor, and, well, Zach, and, well, he looks like he's in my kitchen, but he's really in, in his office in D.C. How are you today, handsome? Doing great, Dad. There are nearly one million, one zero zero, whatever, all the zeros, one million prior model year new cars out there sitting on dealer lots we talked about this earlier this week and i want to parlay this discussion into dad allocations i would love for you to shed some light on allocations and how that works with uh, dealers and automakers the big storyline here gang there's over eight hundred thousand, close to a million 2023 new vehicles prior model year vehicles sitting on dealer lots nationwide number one on that list are the 2023 F-150s, which now have a nationwide 1.9% APR finance rate for 72 months. That's one way to move them, followed by the Nissan Rogue, Ford Explorer, a bunch of Dodge products, more Fords, and some Jeeps. Dad, what happens? Talk about it from the dealership level. You spoke about it. Your time at Penske, you weren't allowed to have prior model years heading into the new calendar year. Talk about it from that perspective at the dealership. And can you also talk about the allocation front? Like, what, what What's going on now for a lot of these dealers? Well, the way vehicles are allocated, it's based on how quickly you turn your current inventory. So for most manufacturers, it's called an earn and turn, a turn and earn system. So the quicker you turn them, the, the, the more you earn. And so they take a look at your day supply. And let's say you have a 90-day supply of vehicles, but suddenly you sell um, half of that in 30 days. Well, they're going, guess what? They know they no longer have a 90 day supply. They maybe have a 45 day supply. They've turned them. So they've earned additional product and that's how it gets allocated to you. Now, some of the product, if you don't feel as if you need it or want it, you can turn it down. That said, manufacturers hate when you turn down allocation and, and they have a thing that they utilize when you turn down allocation. And that is, well, when you need something, don't call us. <laughs> so what do you think's going on right now? I'll pull the screen back up. You know, if you're a Ford dealer yes. and you've got, and we, and on, I think it was on Tuesday, we dug in deeply. There was a Ford dealer in the state of Illinois that had something like 1700 new Fords on their lot right now. Yes. And they had, you know, of that, I think it was like five or 600 F-150s that were 2023s and 15 that were 2024s. If you're that dealer, Dad, yeah. and you've got all these remaining 2023s and your OEM rep, your factory rep is coming to you saying, hey, do you want some new 2024s? Like, how do you how do you handle that conversation? How did you use to handle those conversations with your well, factory rep? It, it, it's obvious that that Ford has just recently switched over to producing the 2024s. Um, and yes, you're going to have to sell those 2023s in a timely enough manner to earn decent size allocations for your replacement 2024s. It's just that simple. So um, if, if you're not looking at it as distressed merchandise, and if you're a big volume dealer, such as that, I'm assuming that dealer in Illinois, with 1,700 yeah, new vehicles in inventory, um, they, I, I'm assuming they would be typically a volume dealer. And volume dealers 
basically treat inventory as if it's distressed from day one. Their whole concept, and Dan LaGrange from Kyoto had, had this conversation with us, their whole concept is move the metal, okay? Just make car deals. Um, and we'll make up for it in volume through our finance and insurance departments and our parts and service departments. So a dealer like that dealer, it's just, he doesn't care that he has 600 and some F-150s. All he cares about is making every deal possible anytime somebody comes in and, and expresses an interest in one of those vehicles. Now, if you're a smaller dealer and you're, and, and you're not really a volume dealer, well, then you're not going to be as motivated as those high-volume dealers. Uh, you're going to hold out for gross profit. Um, your inventory allocations are going to match what you do sales volume-wise. Uh, it, it would be very difficult for you to ever really grow your business to the point that you could become a high-volume dealer. Now, one of the things that can impact that is... Huh is a buy-sell agreement. If somebody comes in and buys the store, well, part of the agreement with the factory when a new owner comes in is the factory will automatically increase allocations to that dealer to help them offset the cost of purchasing the dealership so that they'll have more volume and it gives them an opportunity to become a, a bigger volume dealer. I just want to say, so my dad and I have been doing shows daily for well over two years now. We've been making videos over on the main Car Edge channel for almost four years. I still learn things new on this channel. So like when you, like I didn't know that during a buy-sell and we try our best to to oscillate between going really deep and, and, yes. and, and diving in on certain things and also trying to keep it engaging enough that people you know, still want to tune in. I didn't know that during a buy-sell agreement, you could get an influx of allocation to offset the yes. cost of, of purchasing the new dealership. I yes. do want to come back to though. Definitely. Also, also Zach, if yeah. I may, um, yeah. if you do a facility upgrade, okay, um, then that also qualifies you for extra allocation for having done that vehicle, that, that facility upgrade. And the idea once again is that's to help you offset the cost of having done the facility upgrade. So there's, there's a couple ways that if you're a small dealer and you want to become a bigger dealer, uh, that you can. Um, but it's very difficult if you have limited allocations in comparison to a high-volume dealer uh, to just do it via sales. You have to do it via either a facility upgrade or a buy-sell to, to a new owner. Super interesting. And I think it, it speaks to some of the gamesmanship between the dealership and the automaker, the manufacturer, these are different kind of hacks that you can use to get more allocation. But then you look back at the fact that there are nearly 1 million prior model year new cars out there. And sure, Ford was maybe late to the party in terms of transitioning over to their 2024s from their 2023s. But I don't know if that's the same story over Nissan with their Rogue or Dodge with their Charger or their Challenger or especially Ford with their Mustang Mach-E. Some of these vehicles on the list that have a market day supply multi-hundreds, right? Yes. And so if you think about the dynamics that then you know our audience can use, these are conversation points to have with with a dealer. It goes back to what's aged on your lot. If yes. you really, you know, like if you move this one at a loss for me, Mr. or Mrs. Dealer, 
that gives you one more slot for when your factory rep comes to you and says, hey, here, take 100 new cars. Well, at least I freed up one of your parking spaces for you. You know, like I think these are part of the, some of the dynamics that are important for consumers to understand as they're it, navigating the market. It, it is at, at, at where dealerships are overloaded and their and their average daily sales rate um, is not great enough to support the type of inventory that they have on hand. So, yes, those are conversations that should be had between the customer and and the sales staff. Now, a salesperson might not be as well-versed in that as, say, a new car manager <clears throat> who's tasked with managing inventory. That is, you know, we've had this conversation a, a zillion times. Um, and 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 if I had a dollar for every time we've had this conversation, I would have a house on the beach, not on the bay. But um, the whole thing boils down to inventory management. And and so as you see inventories building up and a good manager, good new car manager, used car manager. Um, That's on a used car from our friend Charlie Foster. Go check out Charlie's channel as well as his interview with my dad. Sorry to cut you off that, but we are going to talk about this. Used car prices are all over the place right now. Sorry, go for it. Pops apologies. Well, I, 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 I was going to say, I don't remember what I was going to say. You cut me off in the middle of something. And I, and I honestly, you know, being old um, and on the verge no. of dementia. Uh, no, no. Don't I was so excited because I knew I cut you off and I forgot what you were going to say. And I felt bad. And then I thought, oh, this is literally what was going through my head that I thought, oh, this is a great test to see if your short-term memory is still good. And then I was like, oh, he remembers what he was going to say. That's incredible. He's healthy. But then you forgot. Oh, I did. I absolutely forgot. I, I I don't even know what the hell I was talking about. And that, you know, and at 72, you're allowed to be that, like that. Um, so. you're, to be very clear, your health is great right now. So we are, you know. I feel yes. very, yeah, to uh, be grateful. very, to be very clear, um, my mental and physical well-being seems to be pretty damn good. Um, and, and I can't help it that I forgot what the hell I was talking about. I, I probably really didn't have much of a point to make anyway. I usually don't. <laughs> From Ironwood here, what models are left over? Again, I will pull it up on the screen in Ironwood. I will drop the link in the chat once more. We have a guide back on caredge.com. Just go to resources and then click on free, uh, free guides. There it is. And then just search for, um, or you can Google search 2023 models with the most inventory. We have a guide back on the Car Edge website, and I will drop that link in the chat as I, well. I think what I was talking about was was truly managing inventory. Okay. Now, if, if you're a new car manager or a used car manager, you have to know um, how quickly you're turning your inventory. I, I used to I used to keep track weekly of what I had in each model, how many I sold that week in each model, what that extrapolated out to on a daily sales rate, and what what that left me with as a day supply. And, and so I could look at those stats weekly and suddenly see, oh, TLs are starting to build up. My rate of sales has dropped from one and a half or two per day, it's down to three quarters of a vehicle per day. Um, I need to question whether or not I'm going to need the entire allocation that I'm going to earn in TLs. That's what a manager has to do when they start sitting on too much inventory. You have to know that that inventory is building up 
you have to take whatever measures are necessary to make sure that you bring those inventories back down to uh, to the levels that are commensurate with sales. So the way you do that is through discounts. It's through you know how much you're willing to 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 move on the price of a vehicle to treat every customer as a serious buyer and and try and figure out how to get them to buy it uh, instead of how to let them to leave. So that was the point that I was trying to make. It, it, a good manager looks at those inventory levels on a on a weekly basis so they can make a determination as to what they need or what they don't need. 100%. And you know who else looks at their inventory levels on hopefully a weekly basis? The automakers themselves. Interesting oh, development we got. We got the latest December data on new car inventory and a few things to call out here. I'm going to read the article and we'll do some observations as well. Automakers strive to manage inventory levels. Production cuts also helped keep inventory in check in December. After the six-week strike by the UAW against the Detroit 3 ended, production ramped up. But the automakers also began trimming output at some factories as 2023 wound to a close. Solantis cut a shift at Jeep plants in Detroit and Toledo, Ohio. Ford slashed production of its electric F-150 Lightning going into 2024, and GM extended holiday downtime at some of their full-size truck plants and several other plants. Toyota and Honda closed 2023 with the lowest inventory of major automakers. Lexus and BMW had the lowest among luxury makers. Let's dig into this before we talk about the other, I'm going to call it a little bit of a bombshell on this page that I don't think many people would pick up on. Dad, there is an intentional inventory management strategy being deployed right now at the automaker level to not oversupply their dealers any more than they already are and in doing so to retain higher prices that's one outcome of restricting supply um there is definitely a a greater need for inventory management at the manufacturing level um than what has been necessary in the past um you know for years and years and years and years, automobile manufacturers just believed in the concept of, well, if you build it, you'll sell it, um, and you'll do whatever it takes to help the the dealer sell it. Everybody kind of grew fat and happy when there was demand and no, and no uh, inventory, and, and everybody kind of liked that. We're moving back to there's not as much demand and inventory is building back up. And so, yes, the manufacturers are looking at that and, and they're making adjustments in manufacturing schedules, but, you know, also look at the fact that if you're cutting shifts at, at Jeep, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but Jeep sales were down again last year. So um, maybe the reason you're cutting Jeep production is because the sales just haven't been there. You haven't had, you haven't had a real winner at Jeep in well, I don't know how long. Certainly, the Grand Wagoneer is not it. Um, but why is the Wrangler become when going from you know a really interesting, fun, uh, really highly, uh, highly high in demand vehicle to one that people are not really purchasing? It's the price is too high. Dad. That's like what's yes, the Jeep. Yeah, the, the, the Jeep prices have gotten too high. I mean, Stellantis has raised their prices by over 50% in the last five years. Jeep prices have gone up. Um, some of the Jeep product that they came out with, the Gladiator, for example, hasn't been nearly as successful as they had hoped. Uh, 
the Wrangler has gotten too expensive. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of Jeep vehicles and, and Jeep is, has always been a, a real American niche vehicle mm-hmm. um, was bare bones, off road, four wheel drive vehicles. Um, Pink Jeep tours loves them um, because that's, you know, they're relatively inexpensive where they had been relatively inexpensive. They didn't come packed with a lot of features it, it, the main feature was its ability to be able to handle off-road um, situations comfortably. So, you, you know, suddenly you start pricing Jeeps like, I don't know, Denali's, and guess what happens? People stop buying them. Sales go flat. So, yes, of course, you're going to cut production back. It, it doesn't surprise. And, and, you know, inventory levels have grown to a to a level that, manufacturers and dealers don't want to see we're up to over 2.7 million new vehicles in stock um they don't want to be approaching 3 million vehicles available every month they want to keep that number somewhere around 2.4 million 2 million to 2.4 million you start getting above 2.4 million and that starts requiring greater incentives now but you have many things in play here, high interest rates, both for the dealers to, to finance their inventory and for the customers uh, to finance their purchase. That's hurting. It, it, it's also got to be hurting manufacturing if the manufacturer has to sit on those vehicles for any period of time before they can ship them to a dealer. You've got to, I mean, Dad, I was having a conversation with uh, with an owner yesterday, and uh, they turned down 100 Stellantis products at one of their dealerships. And it's like, if they're doing that, you've got to imagine other dealers are doing that too. So then who pays for those cars to sit? The automaker does, because they have to yes. pay for them to be sitting somewhere at the, man, at the, you know, at the plant or wherever they have storage for them. Whatever storage. So we, are seeing, we are seeing, I just want to be very clear, we are seeing an intentional restriction yes. in inventory. You might hear some like rumblings of chip shortage 2.0 this year, or there's commodity constraints or supply constraints. That's not it this year, guys. Yeah. If there is a, um, a pullback, which there already is, in new vehicle production, it is an intentional decision, a, a business decision being made to retain higher prices for existing inventory so that those don't keep falling off the face of the earth in terms of price and to also take some of the pressure off of dealer partners from the manufacturer who are now drowning in inventory and paying floor plan expense on that which is going from a profit center which you know was for them previously to now a huge cost center yes. for those dealerships. so very intentional business decisions tied up in this one paragraph right here like very i we're going to make a video on the car edge channel talking about exactly that because i think it's that important Well, it's the first time in a long time that manufacturers really have to manage how much it is that they build. It's it's really everybody has to learn about inventory management, whether it be those who are producing the vehicles or those who are tasked with selling the vehicles. It all comes down to inventory management and controlling your costs through moving your inventory as quickly as possible. 100%. 100%. One other thing that I noticed, Dad, this is the first month where now when we look at the day's supply, which day's supply is how many days it would take to sell all, in the, uh, all available inventory of a particular brand based on current sales rates, 
This is the first time, unless my eyes are deceiving me, Dad. Do you see Jeep on this? Uh, I do not. Why did they take Jeep off? Do you see Chrysler on this? I do not. Do you see maybe, Dodge on this? Maybe they're not reporting what their day supply is anymore. I don't. I don't know. I mean, it it says over here automakers with days supply at least twice the industry average, which would be over 140 because the industry. Oh, average okay. Is Lincoln Jeep. Yeah. So they're on there. They just didn't want to take the graph up to uh, over 140 days supply. Which I don't know. To me, it was just like give give us the number, give us the data. This I found to be a little bit disappointing. I want to see what the day's supply is. It's it's important. It's valuable information. And I guess the uh, uh, decision being made by the folks that put out the media information at Cox Automotive is it would skew the charts so much that they're no longer <laughs> reporting it. Which I think is not so, guys. Like if you're looking for a brand that is struggling and that has uh, incentive to lower prices truly lower prices significantly lower prices it'd be those four and then yeah. everyone to the right of that green line on the chart yes yes i mean that is um to say that they're at least twice so it's 140 days or more and in and in many cases it's probably more and could be significantly more and you know this is an industry publication it is not necessarily a consumer publication um, so maybe they don't feel con compelled to um, share some of that dirty laundry with the rest of the industry. Because if you're one of those four brands. And, but you're not hiding anything. Like everyone and their brother well, knows you are. This. I mean, because most people, you know, they look at the chart. They don't look at the little box next to it. I didn't catch it. Yeah. Um, you caught it. Bless your heart. But I didn't catch it. So most people, you know, don't catch it, don't notice it. Da, 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 da. Um, oh, what's that little box over there? Um, you know, it, it it's almost it should have been in like uh, the two point font like they do on on dealer advertising uh, for the hidden fees and and all the disclosures, you know, where you need the magnifying glass to, to read it. Speaking of which, slight tangent, and then we'll come back to more of the data. I was uh, tuned in to the FTC's live webcast today. They're supposed to be talking about the FTC's cars, um, uh, the rules for car dealers yes. that are going into effect in July. No wonder people do not listen to the FTC. It's the most boring crap. They need us, man. They need someone to like make it spicy and fun and engaging. I was watching. I was like, what the hell? I'm interested in this stuff, and I tuned out because I was like, this is boring as all can be. So anyway, we got an FTC. You can reach us, and we'll try and help you out making people excited about yes. this stuff. Yeah, we we can show you how to grow your audience. <laughs> yeah, FTC, you need some help. All right, of the top-selling 30 models, the ones with the lowest inventory were mostly Toyota and Honda. Nothing new, nothing new there. The Chevrolet Trax was lower than average as well. I want to put a footnote in that because we actually have a new promotion that goes live today for the Chevy Trax. We have, if you get it exclusively through CarEdge.com, under $400 a month payments on a lease or finance of a new Chevy Trax, no markup on the money factor or the interest rate. And there's a discount on there as well. So Chevy Trax have below industry average availability. And we actually have back on CarEdge.com discounts on them that lead to $400 or less per month on a payment. Super proud of that. Just go to CarEdge.com. Yep. I was going to say, and if I'm not mistaken, Zach, I believe... 
the tracks was the third highest volume seller for GM or Chevy within the GM division last month. Um, so what it proves is that there really is a sustainable demand for relatively inexpensive entry-level vehicles, something totally. we've been screaming about for months. And, and Chevy is proving it. And, and I, and I know there's a lot of tracks bashers out there. Yeah, but it's a three cylinder turbo. It's a piece of crap. It's this, it's that. I don't know what it is, but, but it's certainly an affordable new vehicle option for people who want to get it now, or, you know, is it going to last eight years? I don't know. We'll check back uh, eight years from now. Um, Man, I hate to say it, Dad, but leasing a Chevy Trax right now at like $379 a month does not sound that bad. Let's keep going, though. Again, CarEdge.com. Toyota executives, Pops, recently told the Cox Automotive Industry Insights team that Toyota and Lexus brands are both running too lean, closing the year at about a 13 days supply by their measure. Their goal throughout the year is to beef up their inventory at uh, up to 25 or 30 days supply and at Lexus up to 20 days supply. Toyota said it's targeting 150,000 vehicles in inventory by the end of 2024 compared to 81,000 at the end of 2023. So we've got two different stories, right? Yes. Toyota and Honda saying our dealers need more inventory. And then you've got all the other brands that we've been talking about that they're actually purposefully restricting inventory. Tales of, tale of two, two industries at once. Yes, it's it's definitely a tale of two cities here. It is, um, it is those that that have created brands that people want, and that people are still willing to buy, and those who have increased their MSRPs so significantly over the last five years that people who used to want those products, uh, a either no longer do or no longer can afford to to buy them. And so there's both, both sets have shot themselves in the foot to a certain degree. Um, Toyota, Honda, Lexus, and Acura to a degree shot themselves in the foot because there were people who wanted to buy the product, couldn't because there was no inventory and bought other things. And then you have uh, Stellantis who has raised the prices so much that, that the, the people who used to buy their product no longer want to buy their product at the price points that they're at. Totally. And then you look here, Dad, at the other end of the spectrum. Like we were saying, Dodge, Jeep, and Chrysler have an overabundance of inventory. On January 12th, Stellantis cut 539 supplemental employees across its U.S. manufacturing footprint. That's in addition to the 2,453 previously announced temporary layoffs affecting their Mac assembly plant where Stellantis builds the Jeep Grand Cherokee and 1,225 layout, uh, layoffs at the Toledo assembly plant in Ohio, where the Jeep Wrangler and the Gladiator midsize pickup are produced. So there you go. You've got material layoffs happening. I mean, these are non-trivial layoffs happening. All the while, Dad, this was interesting. Average listing prices actually went up yes. in December. Okay, During December, the average listing price increased and reached its peak for the past two years for new cars. They were $47,435 at the end of November. That went up to $48,817 at the end of December, a $1,400 increase. How can we reconcile this, Dad? Why? Why Is it because MSRPs are going up? Or like, help me understand. 
Well, yeah, because they're still producing. Um, the vast majority of what they are producing is mid-level to high-level uh, content vehicles. You know, if if you're only producing 10% of your vehicles as entry-level, well, that means the other 90% are mid-level and upper-level. And, and they've kept raising the prices on those. Yep. But the other interesting statistic in there is that because of incentives, the actual transaction prices declined. Okay. So the listing price went up, which is because they increased the prices. Transaction prices different than listing went down because incentives went. This is, we are back to pre pandemic car buying, man. This is the gamesmanship of buying a car before, before the pandemic, right? Like that is it in a nutshell. Well, that's, you know, that's what the audio, auto industry always was. It was, there were always incentives. The the ask was always the asking price of a new vehicle or used vehicle for that matter is always more than what the customer wants it to be. Okay. And that concept is known at hello. Okay. And 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 because of that, it's always been what kind of deal can I get? How much can you discount it to make it to make it seem uh, reasonable enough to me. That's always been the horse trading portion of the business. You price it wherever you want to price it. The customer says, I'll pay X. You find a common ground somewhere between X and what you priced it at. And so this has been going on forever. Um, and may I say something about the FTC thing? Um, you know, because they're going to take some comments today, uh, allow dealers to make comments and 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 I know I went to go make a comment and I couldn't figure out how to do it. I don't know if you checked well, that out. But my my point was going to be, um, you know, dealers have always screamed about how things are going to negatively impact their business. Mm -hmm. um, I'm guessing probably the first time they really screamed that was when they said um, a, a window sticker, a Monroney label is required to be on every new vehicle offered for sale in America. Dealers had to have said, oh my God, the world is coming to an end. If I'm not mistaken, Dad, you actually, you go far enough back, you sold trucks. That didn't have Monroney labels, yes. Yeah, can you actually talk about that for a second? Because like, that's an incredible historic perspective that you bring to the table. You literally sold trucks before window stickers were mandated. It, it was, it was you, you based the price on the enthusiasm of the customer, okay? <laughs> that, that, which is crazy. So, but, but my point is the dealers thought the world was coming to an end. Somehow, they figured out how to survive, Okay. The next big thing that was destroying dealers, that was changing their life completely was, well, the internet. Oh, my God. People have access to all this information. That's going to kill us. Uh, I don't think it did. They figured out how to, how to still work within the system and make, uh, as I like to say, a poop ton of money. So if they really think that having to advertise cars accurately having to be transparent about the entire transaction is going to kill their business i can assure you based on history they will figure out how to survive they and don't take this wrong dealers 
they are like cockroaches after a nuclear attack. Okay. So, so they'll hide somewhere. And then when it's safe to come back out, they'll come back out. There is no killing these dealers. And this, the new cars memorandum is not going to kill their business. It's just not. So if I may, Mr. and Mrs. Dealer, just accept doing business the right way. Embrace it. It'll be okay. You're still going to be able to afford that damn yacht. I guarantee it. <laughs> I think you're uh, I think you're spot on and I also think everyone humans are change adverse. My comments around FTC earlier and your comments here I think speak to bringing some awareness to what's going on and quite frankly a path forward so that everyone, I mean this genuinely, everyone can win. This whole industry yes. is so inefficient. That's why I wanted to start this business with my dad was a childhood growing up and not seeing my dad because he had to work half days at the dealership, 12-hour days. You didn't have to work 12-hour days if the industry was more transparent, more upfront, more efficient. That's where we're trying to get things. Dad, I want to share something because we're talking about, um, and we'll move into our favorite segment right after this, talking about dealers needing to make changes. I literally yeah. got this text last night. Zach, I'm willing to go $1,500 below invoice on these two units to move them before the end of the month when I'll have to put them into our service loaner fleet. So guys, market has changed. Market is changing. Okay, Those are Mazda, Mazda 3s, by the way. So if anyone's interested in Mazda, Mazda 3s, $1,500 below dealer invoice cost plus $1,500 in Mazda factory incentive, plus they're offering 2.9% APR <laughs> on 36 months for 3.9% for 48. So like, there are... I, December is going to be super busy again in 2024 in terms of car buying. I think yeah. there's going to be a lot of pain for a lot of dealers between now and then creating opportunities for like this. I mean, if this dealer's texting me this, they're trying to move those things. And, and, you, and the smart dealers do what needs to be done to move vehicles. It's just, it's, it's, it's really a pretty simple concept. You look at your inventory level and you adjust pricing as needed so that you can keep your inventory levels from continually going up. It's pretty simple. Again, those Mazdas, if you're interested, are Mazda 3s. Let us know back at CarEdge.com. Favorite segment of the show? Let's do it. Really? You gotta be kidding me. All right, Dad. We are going to start with a carjacking, and I know that doesn't sound like a really <laughs> compelling topic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gold Coast carjacking thwarted after suspects fail to operate manual transmission. The victim was sitting inside his Audi sedan when two armed men entered his vehicle. We're not going to go any further than this first sentence. Yes. In an attempted carjacking Tuesday night on the Gold Coast of Chicago, it was foiled because the suspects didn't know how to operate the vehicle's manual transmission, Chicago police said. Learn to drive a manual, folks. For goodness sakes, if you're going to go carjack someone, you might need to know. Yeah. Do you know how to drive a manual? No. But I also it, don't do carjacking. So. You, you, you do not. May I share a story with you? When Please. I was in high school, um, we actually had driver education classes. Literally, uh, we had driver education teachers. We had, I think it was two or three Fords of some kind um, that they would take you out and you would drive. You would learn how to drive. You'd learn the rules of the road and everything else. And 
you know, my birthday falls at the end of May. I got my driver's license during summer break, it came back in the fall. And guess what? It was time for me to take driver's ed. Okay. And they assumed that because I already had a driver's license that I could drive a stick. I could not. But that's what they had me in. Some type of Ford with a with a Did you learn on the, on the fly? What did yeah, you do? It, it was a three on the tree. Um it you know had three uh, three gears. Um didn't have a hydraulic clutch. My God, you you know, if you wanted to develop your legs back in the in the uh, late sixties or early seventies, drive a vehicle without a hydraulic clutch. And I remember stalling out in the middle of a busy intersection. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it scared the crap out of me. I mean, I, I nearly pooped myself when the car stalled literally on Woodland Avenue and the, and, and the Baltimore Pike in Springfield, Pennsylvania. It is a high traffic area. <laughs> uh, scared the hell out of, out of my uh, driver's ed teacher. Um, <laughs> but they did successfully teach me how to drive a stick. Um, wow. And everybody should know, even you, should everybody needs to know how to drive a manual transmission vehicle just in case of an emergency, not for carjacking purposes. But <laughs> but the good thing is, obviously, in the Chicagoland area, that they don't teach young people how to drive manual <laughs> transmission vehicles. So if you want to prevent a carjacking in the future, always buy a manual transmission vehicle. Uh, well said my, and i love getting story. those stories i hate to say it, but we've dated you now twice today on the show with that story about the tree <laughs> on the tree and the fact that you sold trucks without window stickers before it was federally mandated for window I tell you? <laughs> dad the other really you got to be kidding me for today it's a dodge hornet okay i know everyone doesn't <laughs> want to hear about the dodge Hornet. i know i know i know i know we got a real dealer quote from a gentleman in Las Vegas, Nevada, he's interested in a Dodge Hornet. I want to ask you, what do you think the dealer discount is on a Dodge Hornet right now, living in the great state of Nevada in Las Vegas, trying to purchase a Dodge Hornet? What do you think the dealer discount is? Uh, I'm going to guess that the dealer discount, because dealers in, in Las Vegas are, um, I, I think the terminology is greedy AF. Um <laughs> So I'm going to say, I'm going to say the dealer discount was like 1500 bucks. So you think 1500, let's get a few guesses in the chat. I will share this. We'll get another guess from my dad in a second. That is way too high. It is not $1,500, <laughs> not $1,500. And, and to set this one up, yeah. the Dodge Hornet is the slowest selling car in the United States of yes. America. It has the highest market day supply. I will tell you, dad that this yeah. has been sitting on this dealer's lot for 175 days. And in their market area, there is supposedly an 1,100 days supply of this type well, of Dodge And they Hornet. have no need to sell it yet because they know they've got plenty of time. They know they still have like a 1,000 days in order to be able to sell this. I mean, to, to, to take a short deal now would be, uh, you know, almost sacrilegious. So we're getting really interesting guesses in the chat. Thomas saying they only discounted at 100 bucks. Michael saying 750. We even had a guest ad of sticker. I cannot believe what I'm about to show you. When you add in the accessories, gang, this is a $170 over <laughs> MSRP deal on a Dodge Hornet in today's market. Can you believe what you're seeing here, Dad? 
uh, well, come on, they discounted it thirty six hundred bucks. Come on, between rebate and discount, you know the fact that there was thirty seven hundred seventy dollars worth of dealer installed accessories. Um, yeah, what does that show you? It shows you that they are not interested in selling them. That's what it shows you. That 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 it it shows me that there's a there's a new car manager that doesn't really track his inventory that that doesn't understand inventory management um my guess is if they sell it and there's an 1100 day supply of hornets in in the vegas area if they were to sell it they would probably earn an allocation of two more <laughs> they don't even want those <laughs> yeah it it probably is not not sell it and earn one in in the uh, turn and earn system there it's probably sell it and earn two or three because you know it would be well here's a dealer that knows how to sell these but my point is they really should be doing some some real inventory management there take a look at the day supply and move on from it's it is painfully obvious that the american public didn't ask for this car the american public doesn't have any interest in this vehicle um, and and if you come across somebody who is expressing an interest in it, the likelihood of there being a second person somewhere down the line is pretty remote. So just figure out how to sell the damn car. Dad, I'm going to pull up the uh, uh, vehicle detail page back on CarEdge.com. You can obviously our, see our target discount. And then interestingly, 175 days on the market. The thing that gets me off here is this. <laughs> There's 26 of these for sale within 100 miles of Las Vegas, but only one of those have sold in the last 45 days. Yeah, well, and that and the dealer that sold that one probably had five allocated for having sold that one. Uh, uh, can, there, there's one other, really. You got to be kidding me. Yeah, go for it. Okay, and and I'm not just blaming Tesla, but you know the 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 TV spot has been on the fact that well all the Teslas in the Chicago land area during the cold snap um that were running low on on um, uh, juice um many of them died completely while waiting in line to be able to get to a Tesla charging station uh to charge the vehicle there is a conundrum in this country, and I, I don't, and I don't necessarily get it, but, but yeah. because you know, in Norway, like ninety percent of all cars sold in Norway are electric vehicles, and it's got okay. it's cold in Norway. And last time I checked, last time I checked, it's it, it's it's probably colder there than in Chicago. Okay, um, and yet they don't seem to have the same issues. Yet their electric vehicles lose range quickly in the cold there as they do in chicago the yeah. difference is there must be infrastructure um around that allows you to to charge it easier than in the chicago land area it is a real issue when vehicles range drops as dramatically as it does on an ev in extremely cold temperatures um, and and realistically, something needs to be done about it. And when you're in an extremely cold temperatures and you want to stay warm inside your electric vehicle, 
it's not like you can utilize the heat that is being produced by an, an internal combustion engine as they do to heat the interior of your cars. In, a, in an EV, it's just you're taking pure kilowatts from the battery pack to produce heat, yeah, which lowers your range even more. And let's face it, I don't think if it's if it's 10 degrees in Chicago that you're driving around without putting the heat on in an totally. electric vehicle, it, if there is going to be um, a real future for EVs in this country and in the Midwest and in the northern tier states, there has to be infrastructure. And you can't expect the take rate on EVs to continue to grow at the same level that they have been without first having that infrastructure. We are proving in, in the Chicago area that these people are screwed. And if you were to ask them, will your next vehicle be another EV? The answer will be no. Okay. It is. And I get that the gas cars, the fuel economy goes down in the winter, but it doesn't lose 50. You know, if, if your car normally gets 30 miles to the gallon, it doesn't drop to 15 in the winter. It might drop to 20, 23, 24, but it ain't dropping to 50%. And that seems to be what's happening with a lot of these EVs. Maybe perhaps because the range is overstated to begin with. But that that's just me. I don't know. That's my really, you got to be kidding me. Super interesting. I also generally agree with your take. It's an infrastructure problem because you see, like you mentioned Tesla at the beginning, they're getting the headlines. And with good yes. reason, they're, they're the company. They're, the, they're by, and, by and large the leader in that space. So they're going to yeah. get the, the most of the press, good press and bad press. There are tons of Teslas in uh, uh, the Nordic states. Like that, yes. that is uh, the Nordic countries. Like, it is an infrastructure problem. It's not a vehicle problem. It's an infrastructure problem. And I think your hit, your take on this is, is spot on, Dad. It's an infrastructure problem. Um, and that needs to be addressed if you expect to see mass adoption of, of these vehicles in due time. So I think it's a great, uh, great take. I want to let everyone know, we'll be back tomorrow. Before yes. we do, we're testing something new, gang. Um, the, the overwhelming feedback we get from our community is cars are too expensive. Yes. So we found there are 20 Chevy tracks that we have at Car Edge that we're able to, uh, to to transact. Y'all know us. Out the door price, out the door price, out the door price. This is a this is an experiment to see if this works. You can get a Chevy tracks. You can lease it or you can finance it. Both are at buy rate. So there's going to be no markups on the money factor, no markup on the APR for under $400 a month. If you're doing a 24 month lease, we're going to be hard to fit you into that. 36, 48 month, you're you're good to go. Need to finance up to 72 months to get it under $400 a month, 60 months, a little more difficult. But we are trying this, guys. We got 20 of them delivered to your door. 100% free shipping if you're east of the Mississippi River. We'll pay 50% of the shipping if you're west of the Mississippi River on Chevrolet tracks, the new 2024 Chevrolet tracks. If you are interested in purchasing one of these, this is through the end of the month. This is an experiment again to see if it even feels... It feels Honestly, Dave, it feels a little disingenuous for us to put a monthly payment on the homepage of caredge.com. Mm -hmm. And I'm asking the community to trust us that when you get the final paperwork, you're not going to see an inflated money factor. You're not going to see um, added on expenses or things.
This is an offer. This is an experiment. We got 20 of them. We'd love to get them into people's driveways if they're looking for an affordable piece of transportation. So please, caredge.com, take a peek. In addition to that, if you scroll down, we have the other promotions that we're able to help with. We have four dealers that uh, have supplied inventory for CarEdge, as well as those Mazdas that we talked about. If you're interested in any of these, please, that's the pitch for today's show. Go give it a try. Let us know if we can help. That's what our team is here to do. Yeah, wanted to make a make a point of pointing that out. Sounds good to me. The only suggestion I would make is, um, yeah, 84% of the population are payment buyers. Doesn't mean you still can't let them know what the out-the-door number is. Oh, 100%. Yeah, without a doubt. want to be very clear. Like, if, if you talk to our team, you're going to see not only your payment, but you're going to see how you got to the payment. We're not, yes. we're not. It, it's, it's almost from like a marketing perspective, Dad. That's what feels weird about it is like, we it's it's challenging to put up here like we've tried so many things like discount below dealer invoice we've tried yes. discount on, and we're trying this gang so i just wanted to just wanted to share that and let everyone know how it's sitting with me and, and curious to see if it works before we hop off today's show dad we had a couple contributions come through earlier in the show from matthew hoskin thank you this is incredible sold my 2023 bmw m3 cx super cool car for eighty five thousand dollars on november 30th to a broker in los angeles Currently for sale in Yonkers, New York at a dealership for 83.5. Pretty shrewd by me. I'd say so. Yes. Wow. Wow. Thank That's you. Well Matthew. done. Yes. Well done. And from Dantastic, good to see you here with us. Dantastic. It's not the infrastructure in Norway, it's the driving distance. 20 minutes is a long drive in Norway. The whole country is a little bigger than a state. That's a that's also a fair point. Um, yeah, infrastructure and geography. You know, Dad. But, yeah, um, but, but my guess yeah. is if you live in the Chicago area. Okay, and it's the middle of winter. You've you're you're running out of juice, not because you went on a three hundred mile jaunt. Hey, you couldn't if you wanted to uh, when it's that cold. So I, I I think yeah, I get that Norway's a pretty small country. I I get that, but they must have the ability to be able to to charge a vehicle and. Uh, more available than we have in this country. I, I mean, what yeah. else can I, I mean? It could, if you, if I mean, I just don't think if if you're living in in downtown Chicago that you're doing a lot of three hundred mile jaunts. You're not. You're you know, it's 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 your commuter car, but you run out of fuel. Yeah, it's a good point. That's a really good point. All right, Dad, let's do it again tomorrow. Does that sound good? Uh, what's tomorrow? Um, uh, Friday. Friday. Oh, it could be a snow day. It's supposed it's to snow, snow here at the shore. I'm yeah, pretty sure it, we're supposed to get one to two inches here in, in Ventnor, which means you're probably supposed to get, I don't know, real snow in D.C. Um, yeah. You know, can I ask you a silly question before we go? Where where do the rats go when it snows? Dude, it's disgusting. It's like you can see them even more clearly because the ground's white. It is terrible. It's really great. It's sickening, honestly. Um, but we'll talk more about rats tomorrow. Thank you, everyone, for spending some of your Thursday afternoon with us. Thanks for putting up with my pitch there at the end as well. If we can help you, that's what we're here to do. Nothing's changed on that front. I love you very much, Dad. I must say we both look very good in our shirt over shirt combo i like yeah that. well you know i i i gotta do whatever i can to stay warm in my in my drafty uh, condo and um 
you know, you you just you just like that ruggedly handsome look, and I'm I'm just going for I don't want to freeze my ass off look. So <laughs> love you, Dad. Thank you, everyone. Love you too, handsome. Thank you, everybody, for being here. We'll see you back here tomorrow at noon Eastern, nine specific.